This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm Wayne Barton, joined by the legendary former Manchester United defender, Paul Parker. Paul, how are you doing? I'm good, Wayne. Thank you very much. Good stuff. Um, Talking Devils is, as always, brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts. They have a a range of classic shirts and sportswear online and in physical stores as well. Listeners to this podcast can get a 10% discount using TOTD10 at the checkout online. Um, Paul, some good and bad for us to talk about this week. Um, and Obviously, plenty of bad, so let's try and start off on a positive note. Um, Milan away in the Europa League, 1-0 win. Um, goal scored by Paul Pogba early in the second half. Um, honestly, I thought, particularly considering how this podcast is going to go in a minute, um, but I thought that game against Milan was coached perfectly um, I didn't think we were we were great in the first half um, but I thought for what we needed to do I actually thought it was perfect a lot of people say no we're in a lot of trouble Milan are controlling the game but I as, it, as the game started I was thinking oh, 1-1 with our team isn't that bad a result you know well not a bad scoreline to sit on because if we score we kind of control the destiny of the game, so don't go for it straight away. Let Milan figure out what they've got to do, knowing that United only needed to score first to get complete control of the tie. Um, I said we will be talking about United at their worst a little later on, so credit where it's due for this one. Um, it was well managed, well played by the players as well. I thought everyone um, 
came out of it with credit. Paul Pogba came on and, and made a difference as well. Now, I'm not going to go as far as saying it was a classic European night. Uh, maybe the lack of fans is to blame for that and the fact it was in the Europa League and not the Champions League. But a win at the San Siro, you're never going to turn your nose up at that one. And it was pretty much as good as you could hope for from this group of players and the manager as well, Paul. Um, what, what did you make of that? I, I was very impressed with it. Um, I, I have to look at it and say that, yes, there was a, a big onus on a big onus on United, first and foremost, because of they allowed, you know, allowed themselves to slip up with an away goal against them. But I saw, I think, the same the game as everyone else, is that Milan just didn't have that edge, really, when it was needed for all the possession they had and the territory they controlled and their dynamism, dynamism I should say, in midfield, the way they were just cutting open the midfield again. They just didn't have that bit at the end. And what it boils down to, I don't really... I mean, you can talk about, you know, as you mentioned, about the position that maybe when they when Pogba comes and the scores that go again, it was all about what Milan were going to do next. Yeah. You have to say that Pogba coming in, Pogba was the difference as coming on as sub, and it was an, it was that impact from him from initially that you know, those first few moments of him coming on that made a difference in that game. After that, that helped United and the certain players come out of their shell because they wasn't dealing with it very very well at all. Certain players went missing throughout that until United scored that goal so you take away definitely that you you know that you progressed into the next stage and given what has happened over the weekend it's a trophy for United to aim for but they're going to have to be better at it now because of they've lost what they've been clinging on to for a long long time as this away record but through the recent games you've seen that faltering of the performances but Europe it's always good for United to be in Europe. It's always good to go away from home and, and get a result. It's always good to get a, a result against Dean, one of the, the great clubs of Europe as well. So that's something to keep in your mind. But then, as we know with football, there's always another game and you move on to the other, next game and things change, can change dramatically. Yeah, um, Paul Pogba's goal was very good, wasn't it? Um, really well taken. <laughs> it was. I mean, the way, what he, the way he dug it out and the way he... Well, he conned that defence, but just yeah. by but just by the threat of what he, what he wanted to do and what he wanted to achieve, and, and that's what he's good at. They're the areas where he should be majority of time. Get him in those areas. Don't get him on the ball maybe too deep in midfield because he might allow him to lay to labour too much on it. But if you have players around him who will shout and scream to give them the ball, I think he reacts to that. Yeah. But I think if he doesn't see people around him who wants, who wants the ball as much as he wants it, he doesn't want to give it to him because he doesn't trust them. But when he gets in those areas, I remember um, when he was in um, when he played for France. It was that period when when they won the um, when they won the World Cup, and he was playing for them, and he was getting in that final for getting the box. No one could live with him. His feet were that quick. People were scared to go near him because there's so much, so much leg, so much leg. Yeah. You know, you know, each, you know, you're talking about two legs, and they're about five foot, five foot five long each. <laughs> and people are scared to dangle anything there in case he falls over it. But he doesn't get in that position enough for United. He hasn't been utilised well enough in that in that bit in the box. He doesn't get in there. If there's any one play you want that's in the box with a ball at his feet out of that midfield, it has to be Fernandez or it has to be Paul Pogba. To be perfectly honest. 
yeah. that's the way it has to be at this moment in time but it's about getting there in the end really and finding the right formation that suits the players that you have yeah, um, Pogba, I think he came on on wide left, didn't he? That obviously a direct replacement for Rashford, and he's played there a couple of times this season and sort of made a difference with that. Um, who knows where that's going to end up with Pogba, um, whether it's a cameo that he's coming in, it's going to be part of a process of him leaving, or whether it's uh, part of a process of getting a new contract. You can never tell with him, but um, very good um, contribution. And I think. What you said there, he came on and showed quality and it was kind of like a composure that we haven't seen from our midfield for a long time and it was sort of, I think it was nice in that regard to see that. Um, you know, through to Granada, um, I could call it a local derby, Granada Television. <laughs> um, but unfortunately not, they're going to have to go to probably Spain but um, you never know, sometimes they, they're moving those games around at the minute, aren't they? So... Um, a game that you would think again that United should be able to get through to, to another semi-final but we will wait and see and you definitely can't take anything for granted with this United team at the moment um, the way that I worded it um, in my match review um, for yesterday Paul was that Manchester United um, we've seen the two sides of United this week basically the, the first choice team remains capable of beating anyone and playing well but the second choice team's um, checking second choice team remains capable of losing to anyone and playing like they did yesterday um, it was pretty much I mean we, we've said this before it's as bad as you can get so well, let's be let's be frank it's not the worst Manchester United performance ever but it was pretty bad and we're used to expecting this from this group of players um, but I think it went wrong from top to bottom team selection seemed to be wrong a lot of people saying there's a two week international break are they likely to respond by saying players are going to be away so it's not like they're resting for two weeks although the club has tweeted something today with the boss saying looking forward to getting the players back fresh and hungry which I'm thinking well no they're actually not going to be fresh because they're still playing a number so is it right some of the international teams have got three games in this two week period yeah. so it's going to be a lot of football um, that said the responsibility lays with the club and you know that's what we're talking about. That's what we're bothered about. Is uh, United's um, fate? They were they were terrible from from minute one yesterday. Um, there were already two two moments where Fred gave the ball away in dangerous areas where we we were really lucky to get away with it. And then he, I mean, we talked about the the goal in Turkey is the, perhaps the best, the worst collective defensive defending you've ever seen for for a United goal to be conceded. That was up there, wasn't it, Parfait? In terms of an individual mistake, have you ever seen anything like that? He's played in the ball. I mean, we'll talk about the performance as a whole in a moment, but you can't not talk about that goal, Paul. The first one, it was terrible, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't great. It certainly wasn't great, and I'm actually just going to, at some point, go and go and have another look at it again, because you... But they're prone to doing that, Manchester United, this moment of time without defence. Yeah. It is like, you know, people want to say it's great and oh, you know, all of a sudden after one win it's great, everyone's great. And then after one poor performance, it's, it's you know, it, again, it's back to normal. But at the end of the day, when you look at it, if you're looking for a team that's going to grow and go on and move and compete to win a league title, your defence has, has to be a priority. You have to have more faith in it. 
you know, the players have got to have faith in it. The, everyone has got to be, have faith in what they've got in, yeah. uh, in that defence. And you talk about your middle two, they're still, that's still not sorted, the middle two yet. No one knows what the best combination is of, you know, to be in that middle. The, the pairing just doesn't look, just doesn't look comfortable. And Iniacho, who has improved immensely, he's got better and better. Now he's got something, now they're playing almost two up top and they and he's playing with a very unselfish player who seems to be getting better with age in Vardy in just his sheer unselfish running to create space yeah. for Iniacho. Iniacho, so confident in the ball. The two centre-halves couldn't deal with him. Could not deal with him. There's one they're worried about pace. And then if people drop off in front of them, then they're worried when people are squaring up to them and facing them. They, don't, they, they, they won't go too close because they're worried about pace, but they, then they go too far away and they, they get passed around. So there's no happy medium there. So there's a long way for Oli to go to, to get by this. And it might, we've seen him, again, we talk about it, two holding players. Why do you need two holding players? Especially, especially, Paul, when they're not doing the job. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's been going on and people go, oh, but look what, you know, Fred and McTominay done against PSG. I look at the end of it is, did they win the Champions League? Mm. No, no, they didn't. So beating PSG twice and how, you know, winning there in Paris twice doesn't make you great because in the day, PSG haven't won a Champions League. PSG are not Bayern Munich. PSG weren't Liverpool of last season. You know, PSG are not deemed a great European club because they haven't really done anything as a club. They're a new age club. They haven't done a lot. So you can't keep living off of that, of what two people have done. And what they're in there for is to try and protect really in theory two two centre-halves who are at the moment deemed as a pairing as average that's what they're there for so the the rest of the team is losing out and you're really in in theory on on the back of that so it's a long long way to go for United to be deemed as a side that can compete at top levels to to succeed in all trophies but if you're going to go and succeed and win trophies when it comes your opportunity and you're not far away, you're two games. You're, well, you're, yeah, you're two games away from playing in a in a in a major final. You don't go and rest people. No, uh, just on on the goal. I, I, one thing came to mind. Um, going back 14 years, nearly. I think it was 14 years. We played at Portsmouth and Rio Ferdinand played a back pass to Van der Sar and he bobbled past him and went in. And obviously, you wouldn't normally associate that with Fernando, with Van der Sar, basically. Um, I'm not blaming Henderson for that because obviously it wasn't Henderson's fault, the first goal I'm talking about. But we've been talking for months about it's kind of fortunate that um, we've got this long without it being more prominent that we've, you know, surrendered more goals in this form by defending like basically on the edge of our own six yard box when we don't need to when we've got the ball I've never seen a United team do this and it's and it never makes me feel comfortable I never feel that we've got the players to do it um, you could argue that Maguire plays Fred into trouble but Fred's still got time to do it, just blast it out or anything and you just don't play the ball like he did and it's incomprehensible. No matter how many times I watch that back, Paul, and he just plays the ball to Ian Nacho, and he's got the tap in. And this goes back to what I was just saying about the the midfielders not doing the job, because you can then look at the second half and the second goal where um, 
where Tielemans has he's played a one-two around Matic. He's done it to expose his lack of pace. And then Fred, I don't even know what that is because it's not a tackle. It's like an apology of a tackle, what he puts in. He's got all the time in the world. That's two midfielders. He's, he's literally run rings around two midfielders and scored this easy goal. And it's still a good goal, don't get me wrong. From Leicester's point of view, it's a brilliant goal. But from our point of view, I just look at it. It gives me almost as many nightmares as the first goal um, in terms of the way that it was picked apart so easily. Um, when lockdown restarted oh, sorry when football started after the lockdown I remember us talking about um, Matic not being in I think it was the first game against Spurs Matic wasn't missing Fred Fred was there and he sort of misread a ball and I think it led to their goal and we were saying if Matic is there that doesn't happen and then Matic came into the side and I think it didn't happen you know he saw his sort of defensive nails but he's a year older now Um you can sort of see the legs getting to him, especially when you don't have quality. Uh, set quality. Fred's got energy, but he's just got nothing on the ball. I mean, if you can't play a five-yard pass in your own box, and I mean, what that wasn't only that there was like five-yard passes everywhere that he was missing. But I mean, it's concerning, Paul. It's so concerning that, isn't it? I mean, the, the midfield and take McTominay out of it. I mean, don't get me wrong; he doesn't cover himself in glory for the third goal either. But Matic and Fred you're immediately looking at that and thinking I, I don't think either of those are starting for United next season well they can't if United wants to challenge yeah but I mean I'm, I'm see I'm seeing that first goal and what you're saying is right about what Fred's done the problem is though and I'm looking at it again is that Harry Maguire gives him a bad ball yeah the ball it's not the ball it's not about the weight of pass or anything like that it was a poor decision to knock it to Fred where he was the position he was how far he was from outside the box there was someone close Fred could only go one way it wasn't if Fred had options to go either side Fred has got his back to play people say oh he should have been side on well maybe that's not a strength for Fred Fred's got his own strength but Harry Maguire shouldn't have given the ball to him and Harry Maguire has to take a little bit of responsibility in saying it wasn't the right ball to give him he's got that's where he's captain as well by the way and what he's done I mean he almost gave a goal away prior to that when he gave the ball back to Vardy and Dean, um, Dean Henderson had to save to his left yeah. initially. Yes, that's what, um, that was on a counter-attack with Tielemans as well. So he gives the ball back to him off his left foot, just puts a foot there and he goes back. And then on the next, then on the next attack, the one that comes in, when he gives the, ball to, gives the ball to Fred, there was like four Leicester players condensed in that little small area in, the, in, the, in the Leicester's attack in third. And Fred has distraught himself, but if me... I would look at Harry Maguire and say, yep, touch, maybe my touch, maybe my decision to do, but you put me under pressure. He's, he's got to be doing that. Put, he's got to put his hands up. For the sake of the team, he's got to put his hands up. So for it all to be on Fred, and then for Fred to be getting what he's getting after it, which has become a fashion now, so we shouldn't go too mad about it, um, is totally wrong, really. The whole thing is wrong. The goal was poor. Fred was poor. Maguire was poor in that situation. Yeah. Maguire was awful in the second half as well. He let he let Vardy run at him and, and turn him. <laughs> I said let him. Obviously, Vardy did his own bit, but it was just not a good day for Maguire either. Um, you mentioned um, the team selection. Let's talk about that because a lot of people are... Um, where, where do you stand on this one? Because obviously, um, you look at it and obviously, Ollie's looked at it and said... 
that's the chance to rest players. We can't complain from that aspect. Everyone's saying the players need a rest. The difference is, was this a game where you do that? Do you, um, what we've said many times before, if you're going to rest them in games, do it when the game's won. Yeah. Not, not when, you, when we were chasing that game, you were putting players into a situation where you were putting four players into a situation where everyone else was playing so poorly and the the urgency and anxiety there to get a result was creeping up. So you weren't allowing for composure. Those players had to go into an erratic performance. It was just a mistake all around. And you look at it and obviously it was... Um, we'll talk about the individuals in a moment. I know we, we singled out Fred and Matic, but Van der Beek's one I want to get onto in a moment as well. But... <laughs> What did you th- think of the um, formation? Uh, not form- well, formation as well, because it was a, a sort of narrower shape as well to sort of try and get the most of the, that central area. And I've thought in the past, I said, I think I probably said it in one of the last two podcasts, so maybe you should try something like that. Oh, it didn't work. Definitely did not work yesterday against um, Leicester, who were very good, by the way. But um, yeah, the formation and the selection poll, um, what did you make of that? Well, I mean, it. it we look at we look at Leicester and it didn't work because if he wanted he was trying something but he'd been better trying off what he deemed as his better team yeah. to go and play that to go and just do it initially and I didn't like I didn't like the idea of the four sub, the substitutes all coming on at once didn't yeah. like that that was like here comes the cavalry the better oh the better players are coming on now you you kind of also ran you come off you've had your chance it made they felt a lot a few, if there's four of them there at least two of them felt the great degraded by what happened to him with that substitution. They would have felt degraded. They wouldn't have felt good about that. Today, they'd be feeling awful. They'd be feeling awful in themselves in the way they've been treated that. The way they brings on the other four. All of a sudden now, we're, we're making players seem like they're irreplaceable. Irreplaceable, I should say. It was totally wrong what he'd done now. He should have started with his better players. And was, was he worried about resting them? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's important for Manchester United to get to a semi-final in the FA Cup. I'm sure those players wanted to play to make sure that they got in a semi-final, knowing that if they get to a final, they were definitely going to play in it. So they'd want to make sure that they took part in that and they guaranteed, they'd guaranteed it by actually being there to, to give it the best possible chance. And what he's done is put in players who, who are not up to speed, a little bit disillusioned, tell us, and... Um, Van der Beek, two players who mostly are not very happy in the current scenario, you know, being used in a certain way. Every time Teles starts a game, he must say to himself, well, I'm going to get taken off for Luke Shaw in a minute. Mm. You know, it can't be a good way. Van der Beek goes out and plays, never plays in the same team as Fernandes. Doesn't, never gets that opportunity. You know, every time you see him play for the, um, for the Mason Greenwood goal, he lets it go through his legs. People go, oh, well, that's easy. He couldn't shoot. He couldn't shoot from there. But there'd be a lot of players who would have taken that first touch and try and swivel it's and try. Smart. And, it was yeah, smart. it was to what he'd done. I think he had an inkling that he was standing there. Yeah, I think he definitely did have something now. But it was just absolutely, you know, he, he, the, the lad needs an opportunity to play games on the bounce, and this was the ideal game to start him and Fernandez together to try something like that. He keeps. You know, I, mean, the, I keep saying it, the Fred McTominay one, that was just going, I don't know whether or not it's because he suddenly suddenly become a little bit kind of thinking, well, if I keep playing this to it, it gives us the, it's been a little, you know, looking at the way things have worked out, the lucky, like the lucky Heather, yeah. 
you know, he, he are these two play together and these big games, it works. And that's what's kind of gone along. And all of a sudden, we're turning now, you know, we're bringing on four players and like they're, the, you know, the best four. So as a squad, but I don't think you can do it. He's used a thing now which they brought into football because of lockdown. And I think he's used it in the worst possible way because mentally he might have lost a few players there off the back of that for what he's gone and done and he's certainly given he's given a, f- um, a few little tidbits for all the media now to kind of bite off the back of o- over the next few weeks if things don't start going right for United yeah Fernandez was a, a curious one because that, he played against Sociedad in the return didn't he it's like why, yeah. why play that then yeah and, and not playing yesterday it's just um yeah but that's what people look at people look at that now everyone will just someone will bring that up Wayne yeah. that'll end up somewhere on social media and someone will then question Ollie and it's like virtually sets himself up for situations and that was a again I keep looking at him I keep keep saying how many times I've said it for me, he wants to win a trophy for himself and Manchester United. He needs to win a trophy for himself, yeah. first and foremost. And that's not him being selfish. That's human nature. He wants it for his own ego. I've won an FA Cup. Now I've won an FA Cup as a manager. Yeah. It's just got to be there. And if someone says to you, well, you've got, you know, we've got players who are looking tired. They're not tired. They're playing football, what they're supposed to love. So they should come out there and do it. They're not going out with a shovel in their hand to dig for 12 hours. They're going to play football for 90 minutes. And to be honest, the ball's only in play an average of 63 minutes. So they're not doing that much. And then what they can do, if someone touches them, they can fall on the floor, claim a a foul and have a rest. So it's not that difficult for players to play games. And then if it was Sir Alex... And he'll, he'll turn around and say, yeah, FA Cup game, oh, they're going to go away international break. I'll tell you what, let them, let them give everything for who pays their wages. And when they go and play for their country, that's up to the manager there to have, for what he wants to do. But at this moment in time, I'm thinking first, I'm thinking about United getting to another stage of a competition or getting a place higher in the league. And when they go and play for the country, I would deal with that problem then with the international manager at the moment. This is their bread and butter. Yeah, it's it's such an odd one um, as well um, with Solskjaer um, because you feel like he brought that pressure on himself um, by talking about it in the week, wasn't he? He was sort of saying, oh, um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was kind of like trophies don't measure, you don't measure progress by trophies, which is a similar thing to what Pochettino said in the past, and I I see where he's coming from with it, Paul, I really do, but I still think you know, you can't do something like that and then do what we did against him, because he will have known, he will have seen the narrative that you know, everyone's talking about losing all these semi-finals now, obviously, to lose another semi-final is not going to define his success, and even getting to a final wouldn't. It's not going to make him. You know, if he gets to a final and loses, people aren't going to automatically say, "Oh, he's he's turning the corner or something." But if you lose, if he goes the other way, like he did yesterday, you lose a quarter-final, and you lose it that badly, and you've rested players. One of the things he said was the players that came in, they look rusty. Do you know what I mean? So you've you've literally got it both ways. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's literally both ways with that. Um, he I, should have been. He, he should have actually when he when he delivered. He should have been delivering that as an answer. Yeah. 
that's what he should have been doing it's rather than virtually saying to those oh it's their fault for being rusty no it's human nature that they're going to because they're not playing regular competitive games you can train every single day but if you're not playing regular football you never it takes you a while just to suddenly step in some players grab it a few do other players need that little bit of time and Van der Beek is a player who needs that little bit of time because of the way because of the kind of player is if you've got somebody who tears around the pitch and their game is breaking it up and that that's an easier skill to deal with but when you've got somebody who's quite technical they need a little bit of time they need to feel their way in and what they need they need players around him who understand them as well Van der Beek when he, and one of the players for Van der Beek needs around him is a Fernandez because Fernandez would orchestrate orchestrate other things as well but he never gets that opportunity to play with Van to actually play with um, Fernandez him Fernandez and Pogba together would be an interesting trio what do you think about Van der Beek because that's another thing um, where um, obviously yesterday mixed performance he did well for the goal but otherwise it's sort of missing again um, and, and, and I'm not putting the blame on him but I, every time now I, I watch him play I'm thinking Kagala, Mkhitaryan you're just not going to fit it's just not going to work and I don't mean, you know, he's obviously got loads of talent and you're exactly right in the sort of technical environment he could flourish in but he just doesn't seem to fit no matter what scenario or situation he's put in, there were some League Cup games at the start of the season where he looked quite good. But he's just, I don't, for whatever reason, I'm, and I'm not blaming him at all, I just think you're looking at him thinking this summer, rather than thinking let's kick on and think, rather than his value plummet anymore, maybe he's better as an asset at this moment in time. Because people will look at it and say, no, there's a very good player there, he just needs... Um, he just needs a new home rather than Mkhitaryan who um, he, he spent 18 months at Old Trafford and he's, he was basically using a free transfer swap for, for Sanchez do you know what I mean it's yeah but the thing about it Wayne as well is that it seems at the moment in time that whatever midfield player he's going to bring in it's going to be exactly the same mm. when, when Matic is getting maybe more game time than him then you have to say to yourself well no it doesn't matter who he brings in he's made his mind up what he wants to do what he's going to play and it, ain't, it isn't getting a change. You look at players he could change. He wants to play that system. He wants to play it as, you know, with two holding players. If he's going to do that, then he's got to improve on his holding players as such. Mm-hmm. If he's going to do that, he's got to get players who can actually be equally good in, in that side of it, but they've got to be equally good in the fact of when they've got the ball as well. And, and, that's, the, and, that's, the bit he, and that's the bit he hasn't, hasn't got. He's got um, as such two destroyers. But at the moment, you know, creativity skill of like a three-year-old, you know, in a crash. To be to be perfectly honest, that's that's what that's what it's like, and that might it comes across as cynical. And I wasn't a creative player. All I am now is somebody who watches and somebody who's looking for more and looking for a side, a United side that's going to be equal or better than the ones that I played and the ones that are more better after I left as well. At the moment, this is way off. When you look at other teams, you look at other teams. You look at their so-called holding players, and you suddenly see what they do. You say, "It's a hold on a minute. Why is everyone raving about this player here and that player there when they don't equal these players that no one knows about?" The lad at um, AC Milan, um, Kessel, is it? Kessel, yeah. Kessel, yeah. Look at him. 
what a player he is in deep positions with the ball and he joins it and he goes from there and he goes into the final third and he plays with the assurance of a creative midfield player as well so tell me about that and I'll name you the best defensive midfield player and creative midfield player there's been two of them United have had I'll just name the top twos Brian Robson and Roy Keane both of them could play in deep positions and destroy both of them could play in high positions and create. So why now is it now you're, it's one one you know one job is it? Why isn't it you know <laughs> you know footballer fits all jobs? Yeah. Why suddenly now you just going isolating players and making it easy for them just to say I'm just gonna I'm gonna sit there. I don't want to see a, a central midfield player sitting in the middle of a back a back four getting the ball and doing it from there. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what good is that? You see them dropping off in there, and all of a sudden they get the ball, and yeah, and they pass it sidewards. What what is that? You don't. You, I didn't see that with AC Milan the other day. It, didn't see them doing it. It's strange. They just sort of, It's like they've got nothing. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, what what are we gonna do? Do you know what I mean? When especially yeah. like the last thirty minutes, just it's such a such a mess. Um, you know, whenever we lose, though, you do get all these people. It's whenever we lose, though, I said that. Whenever we don't win, I mean, let's let's put it into perspective. Yesterday was the first domestic away loss for a year. Um, yes, that record was becoming more of a problem recently because people kept talking about it as if it was a massive achievement, um, and it was a good achievement, but it was an achievement that was a byproduct of progression. It wasn't an achievement to say this is um, a representation of a great football team. Um, it was like, oh, we're getting somewhere, and then yesterday it showed. Look, well, we can, we can get somewhere, but let's remember games this season where we've been battered away from home and still come away with a win, um, and and that's what it was. But as soon as we lose the game, or as soon as we don't win a game, it's it's clueless. No, he, he got this wrong. There's yeah, there's yeah. no experience in the manager, I, and I still think, look at where we are. Does anyone really think that this is a title-winning squad? I'm, I'm not saying that Ollie's getting the best out of them. But I feel like he is, um, and that's what it looks. That's what I would present that as. I wouldn't necessarily say this is definitely the case, but I look at it and think I'm more inclined to think that than the other um, way. And so that brings us to the summer and everything like that. Um, people are already talking about well, there was talk in the last two weeks about a three-year contract being discussed, and that, that perhaps they were going to wait um, until the summer for that. Um, we'll talk about the new men who've been hired in a moment, but um, about the the new contracts and everything. I don't think he's going to get sacked this summer, Paul. But um, in terms of how we finish the season now, because these comments that he's already made and the way that we lo- lost yesterday means it puts a new perspective on how we've got to achieve what he's left to achieve this season. You know, we, I think now you've got to look at it and say, well, we've got kind of got to finish second because we've had that position for so long. Um, I'm not saying, you know, obviously before the season and all along I've said I thought top four would have been an achievement, especially after the first transfer window. But from where we are now and the level of things that Ole has been saying about the players and how much he believes in them and everything like that and, and how much of an excuse he's given them unless it's just like enough rope to say, you know what I mean? If we don't finish second and Ole doesn't get rid of a bunch of these players in the summer, then, you know, if it you see where I'm coming from with that. He's got to. He can't have it both ways. He can't be talking up the players unless he's going to be ruthless about it. If if we don't achieve what we're going to achieve, because oh well, if we don't achieve what he's there to achieve, which should be second place, 
finish and then I would say Europa League final you, you can't sort of gamble on a final and say we've definitely got to win it although you would like us to considering we're probably the favourites now um, but from this moment in time Paul that it seems like Ollie's talked him into that being the thing that we've got to achieve really you know the second place and the Europa League final is that is that what you would agree with at that moment well Jose Mourinho is allowed to do that isn't he yeah, he done it. He, I mean, he he suddenly, like, allegedly threw away the league because he was going to win win Europa League. Yeah. That's what that's what he got everyone to believe. I mean, no, no, he didn't because no, he didn't know he was going to go and win those games. He didn't know that he was going to come up against a very, very exciting but very inexperienced Ajax in the final. And you know that you look where look where all those clubs where those players are playing now tells you potentially how good that Ajax team were. Yeah. And what they've gone on from there is now they're, they're regularly qualifying for Champions League and still letting players go all over the place. Yeah. So, um, no, I mean, he, he could, Mourinho can do that and no one asks a question. But Oli, if he goes down that road or people even, if someone suggests it and, it and it doesn't work out, then he's going to get slaughtered for, for actually taking his foot off the gas in the league when in theory you can't control results. Yeah. You can try and control performances, but the one thing you should never have to control is hard work and commitment to the cause. That's the bit that you should never have to question about your own players. And the, yeah. and the one thing that he wants from at the moment is to actually keep things going and have a bit of pride about themselves and say they want to finish second. Have the players who want to, who know they can't win it, but they want to finish as close to City points-wise. If City go and draw a game, United go and take three points. They want to get as close as possible and have that belief. Not players who are, who are just content to be there thinking, oh, Champions League is all right. And you just think, oh, we can try and get in the Europa League, but it's okay. doesn't matter. There's another season. This season doesn't really matter because of what's going on. We've got next season. Sorry, what you should they should be all be judged on what they've delivered this season. There's a lot of them who aren't good enough yeah. and not good enough because they're not because of the fact of they're not players who you're going to win leagues with. They're content to be seen as Manchester United players and like walking around in a tracksuit. I think you're gonna the, the way that I see the last sort of eight, eight to ten games of this season is you're gonna look at those players and there's going to be a lot in the Van der Beek, but in, in what I mean by that is, obviously, we're, we're, I've outlined what I mean by Van der Beek. He's sort of in this sort of catch twenty two scenario. He's got, he's really got to sort of find his place, but that's got to be found for him as well. These players, um, even let's say Matic and Fred start every game for the rest of the season and they play brilliantly and we don't concede a goal for the rest of the season and people will talk about Maguire no seriously I'm thinking let's say eight games we keep six clean sheets Matish and Fred play them all and and Maguire and Lindelof play them all that's still not going to convince me that's not going to say oh those eight games we, we can push on and win a title that should be fodder for buying clubs to look at Fred and say okay well he's got a chance so we'll take him on United can't afford to get tricked into well, Solskjaer can't afford United can because they're going to continue regardless but Solskjaer can't afford to be tricked into trusting players for longer than um, the longer than necessary and I already think that some of them are being trusted for, for longer than necessary um, it's going to be really really crucial 
eight games in, in terms of how social response to it. But I'm with you. You know, there's a lot of players there who you want to see them take the impetus and say, no, we want to finish that. And we, we say this every year, don't we? We say this every year. And, and you said it just before we we came on, that you've got every expectation that we could be talking about this in the, in the same way next year as well. Um, because you never feel like, as much as Solskjaer has sort of pushed it in the right direction, there's still something about those players that you think you'll always be second at the best you're never going to really push that gap. Um, and that brings me to talking about the um, the reshuffle that's um, happened this past week. Darren Fletcher recently brought back into the, the club and he's been promoted into this sort of technical director role, which um, they've kind of outlined is going to be the person who talks to the incoming players and talks to them about the football philosophy of the club. You've got... Um, the, the football director, John Murdo, um, who's, who's moved from another department. And, you know, people, as soon as people saw that it was a football director hired or a football director was named, everyone was going, oh, finally, finally United have got a director of football. I look at it, Paul, and I just think the chain of command is exactly the same. They've all got to answer to um, Woodward. And Matt Judge is still involved in there in the process um, it's just shuffling the pieces. I said it a long, long time ago, but it was jumped on by a lot of people about Van der Sar. Yeah. From what he's doing at Ajax, and then it was jumped on, and that's the first time it went around. Even even um, Rio threw his um, hat in the ring for it, and it was never in a million years because Rio's mostly got the equal ability of me to go and do that job, to be perfectly honest, and I'm clever enough to know that I wouldn't even put my name in it because I'm not good enough to do that job. But I think Rio saw it and put maybe put himself forward on it because of the fact of his status and he thought, you know, his name might be enough where that job it isn't about a name. You have to earn the right. Van der Sar has proven what he can do. I look at Les Ferdinand and what he's done at Queen's Park Rangers and somebody went in with a blank canvas. He's done an incredible job with yeah. Queen's Park Rangers. Yeah, and it isn't about just bringing in great players. It's about balancing the books. You're having to manage finance and you're having to go and explain to, i.e. your chairman or your owner, you know, about what you're doing about players who are surplus, how you're going to get them out, how you're going to... Everything is... Bitch, you must, you must learn so much because football is changing, off the field is changing every minute, especially in this, in this current climate. So when you talk about what they've gone and done, I would have to say is that... Again, no one believes anything's really going to change. Everyone's on a negative one with it. Everyone, what you just, what you just said, everyone's saying the same. There's a Woodward is is still going to be there deciding at the end of the day if it suits if it suits him yeah. and what he's looking for. Maybe on a PR side of thing, a marketing side, is it going to suit his agents that he uses? Because he's mostly got his own agents that he uses to get players which he stable I should say to use the word stable where he wants to buy his players from you know so West Ham Sullivan has got his own stable where he goes and gets players from you know so every every chair every owner's doing it I'm sure that Ollie's got an agent a preferable agent that he would rather do deals through on that side it's all everyone's got their own little agenda you know no one's whiter than white in, in this situation what happens in football with agents now so it comes a little bit of a quarrel then that's why and then all of a sudden then oh no we don't and all of a sudden you end up with maybe three different agents for one player and that's why deals take so long you know it took me 
it took me 48 hours to sign for Manchester United and that was because of the timing of it and it was left the next I couldn't do anything because of the next day but that's how long it took yes I want to come bang sign here let's get it done quickly in case they change their mind and you get it done but not anymore there's too many people and it's not about dealing with the player it's about dealing with the agents it's about them being happy what they're getting and everyone being happy and everyone maybe you know signing the um, non-disclaimers as well everything that goes with it people looking after each other so they don't get found out on what they're getting from deals and that's what it all it all the end what they call them the NDM NDM whatever they call them that abbreviated NDM thank you (laughs) so they're all they're all um, so that's what it's all about and and that is the problem can Darren Fletcher make a difference no not really we hope so hope so you hope he does but it isn't it isn't going to happen for this summer it's absolutely impossible because he's a new kid on the block and everyone's going to feed him out and people are maybe going to try and mug him off of just being an ex-player has been thrown into a club and whatever. And players, you're saying he's going to try and, you said, you know, philosophy, sell it to a player, incoming player. That incoming player isn't really going to be interested. He might kind of go, oh, Darren Fletcher, yeah, United, yeah. But then he's got an agent who's going to dictate to him. Yeah. Exactly what he thinks about this so-called philosophy from Darren Fletcher. If, if it, and then he's going to say to himself, I want assurances. Then he's going to want to speak to Darren Fletcher's boss. And then he knows, as Manchester United are, that Woodward runs the whole thing. And he's the yay or nay person with the other person you named as well. So, no, he's just going round and round. And, it's, and, and it ends up back where it started. So... It's more, it's more money being spent on other people to fill a berth to hopefully convince people that things are moving forward, but the people are not that stupid to think that way. So in theory, to cut a long story short, the whole process is a waste of time and money. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do agree with that. And I, Don't get me wrong, I've got hope. I've got hope, but then I, I look at it and the pessimist in me thinks, no... I see fall guys. I see convenient fall guys for if he doesn't go right this summer. When they look at the um, the you know they look at the lack of investment and the lack of players coming in, people will be going, "Oh, Fletcher's useless at his job." Brighton are coming up in the Premier League. Um, played us off the park in the first game. They've got a knack of their form has been poor but they're playing better than who they're playing against it's an odd one they, you know and that's exactly what we witnessed when we played against them um, but coming to Old Trafford you know they've had I wouldn't say good results at Old Trafford but they've played well at Old Trafford in the past um, what do you make of um, what, what should we expect to see from United's game against Brighton um, Brighton Brighton mostly controlling possession yeah that's what you're going to see, I would say. I don't think it's going. To, I don't think it's going to be much different. That they are going to control possession. Their downfall will be that they won't be able to kill off. Mostly, won't be able to kill off United. That's been Brighton's fault. All biggest fault all season is that they've been in control of so many games. And I've seen, I've seen four of them live this season. Sorry, this this side of um this side of the year, I've seen four of their performances live, and they're. A really, really good team up until the final third. But when it clicks, it's great. They don't score many ugly goals. They score a lot of team goals. There's so, so many interchanges of passes. They're, everything they do, they're very industrious in all areas of the park. And every player who comes in to that team doesn't let... All of a sudden, these players come in. Who's that? And they come in and you go, wow. 
you know, at the moment, Graham Potter, and you look at Graham Potter, and in a certain way you look at Scott Parker, they're up there in the top five being manager of the year. Yeah. And, you know, and what Graham Potter's done football-wise, and what um, Scott Parker's done in rebuilding a team within a Premier League season, it's been incredible achievements on so-called lesser-known lesser managers and English managers. It's yeah. been absolutely incredible, but... You know, you, we have to believe that United are going to win the game, but they're going to have to work hard for it. And if they want to labour with the ball as what they do, Brighton will not allow them to do it because of the way they play. They play with tempo. They play the game, Brighton, as United should be playing it. Do they play in the same tempo what AC Milan play when they got the ball? But that's Brighton. And Manchester United play the ball with the same tempo as maybe, at the moment, sometimes like a second division Albanian team. <laughs> So it's so it isn't good. So Brighton is going to be a massive test, especially if they need something from that game to make their season safe. That makes them even more hungrier and more dangerous. Yeah, there's probably a fan of an Albanian second division team listening to say, "No, hang on, we play a bit quicker than United." Um, yeah, well, we will see. Brighton traditionally difficult um, opponents for United, so um, it'll be an interesting one to come back on. Um, that'll be us coming back for for that um, with the international break. We'll be taking a break for this week, uh, for the next week, I should say. Um, remember, if you enjoyed the show, um, give us a nice rating or review on Apple Podcasts. If you want a 10% discount with classic football shirts, use TOTD10 at checkout. We'll be back in two weeks. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.